Good evening, good evening, good evening, Red Raider Nation. It is time for Sober Up Sunday. My name is Joe. I'm tagged along with Jack this evening, um, one day after what we saw in Laramie last night. I mean, you could call it a lot of different things. You could call it a letdown. You could call it um, just a no-show. You could call it a bunch of different things. Um, we are coming to you this evening to kind of just talk about it more with like a level head after we read some box scores, after we heard what Joey McGuire had to say after the game, you know, just a conversation about the game itself. Obviously, last night, a lot of feelings were to be had. Um, we had a lot of expectations going into the season, a lot of hype, a lot of people drank the Kool-Aid me being one of those people that drank that Kool-Aid early. And it felt like a slap in the face. It, it truly felt like a slap in the face last night to, to have all this hype of, around a team that was returning so much firepower on the offense, on the defensive side of the ball, kind of the least amount of question marks going into a season that we've ever had in a while. You know, it's just one of those deals that kind of just, it happened. Today's a new day, another game week is starting. We can't sulk on this or else we're going to run it back with Oregon. And then we'll kind of just talk into Oregon later on during the week with other programming deals. Um, Jack, um, I'm just going to start off real briefly with you. How are you feeling this evening and how did you sleep last night? Uh, slept all right not too great um i was really to be honest with you i was super pissed off um kind of i kind of like what you said you know i, I kind of felt like i was on a used car dealership lot and i just bought a stick shift and i was driving it off the lot and the thing just stalled out and i didn't miss a gear change uh, you know so i i kind of feel like we're parked in a stalled car right now um, now this car can get easily get fired up and get going again, and we can go put it on the freeway and go cruising or the block might fall out of the bottom, you know, who knows? Um, I thought there was a lot of, I just hair pulling moments last night, um, just in general, you know, I feel like there was a ton of missed opportunities, a ton of mistakes, a ton of just bad execution, bad decision making. Um, I mean, Joe, let's call it for what it is, right? Like we overlooked these guys 100%. We did. And that's what we, this kind of, we kind of deserved what we got, you know? I definitely overlooked them. When we made our picks for the scores of this game, I overlooked them. We were looking at, you know, strength for strength, firepower to firepower. We had our AK-47 ready and they had their Super Soaker 325 ready to rock and roll. And we were supposed to, by all accounts, curb stomp these guys and, it turned out that they had the bigger guns for three quarters and we had the smaller weapon and we just lost that gunfight and we lost it on multiple levels on the, on the defensive line, on the offensive line, coaching, execution, discipline within our players. I mean, there's, it's a laundry list of issues there that you could just sit there and just, you could like put a little asterisk by, this is something we didn't do. This is something we didn't do. And obviously, going into week two, you want to have at least some, you'll have some questions. Let's just call that for what it is. After every first game of the season, there are going to be some question marks, you know, play calling, how tempo, certain players and certain groups and certain sets, things like that. That's to be expected, but you're not expecting to have way more question marks after game one going into game two than just maybe like one or one to three. I, I would say that's just, that's, that's fair. Somewhere between one to three question marks heading into week two instead of seven to 10 potentially with this team right now. 
No, yeah, I agree with that. And I think that, um, I think that the thing that pisses me off the most, um, wasn't necessarily the loss. The loss does. Um, but I think it was just thinking back on it. I, I think it was the fact that, you know, this is a coaching staff that always preaches to not overlook people and not overlook an opponent and always be focused on the opponent you're playing each week. Well, they overlooked this team. This this coaching staff, not only did they overlook Wyoming, they flat out got out coached. I mean, they did. They made Wyoming made fantastic adjustments. Let's not take let's not take the result away from Wyoming. Okay, did Tech lose this game? Yes. Uh, could Tech have won this game extremely easily? Tech could have sauntered off and won by 42 points very easily. But Wyoming made key adjustments. I said this after the first, after we went up 14 nothing. Wyoming rushed three guys, They and they dropped eight for the first two series of this game. And I made the comment, and I said, if Wyoming keeps rushing three and dropping eight, I said, Shuck's going to pick them apart all night. And sure as shit, the next series, they came back and they started rushing five-ish, four or five guys every play. And then our offensive line fell apart. Um, you know, what did you think of the O-line? I, I, I kind of, you know, I thought it left some things to be desired. I, you know, we had also, this is another position group we've heard about all offseason about the leaps and strides they've made forward and how much better they are. I didn't see that. I mean, yeah, was Shuck protected a lot of the time? Yeah, to to some extent. But I I just don't I really don't understand like I mean, this is a you got you got whipped for a good amount of this game from a line standpoint and this is a team that's picked to finish uh what was it? fourth or fifth in the mountain west yeah yep so like what are we doing here yeah the uh the offensive line granted i guess from a from a statistical standpoint shep had a clean pocket 80 percent of the game or per per some stat i saw out there so i mean he was kept upright um but as far as the offensive line goes um, it didn't leave me feeling any better than where our offensive line was at at this time last year. You know, it wasn't, you know, we were talking about people that, you know, that potentially could be playing in the NFL on our offensive line um, with um, Spencer, I believe was his, the one that we missed last year that they went ahead, decided to shut down for whatever injury he had. I think it was a lingering back issue. So they didn't want to push that, and he's now 100% and, you know, between Mon- Monroe Mills, Spencer, Stats, Dennis Wilburn, and Caleb Rogers there on the other tackle spot. I mean, if I were to grade um, that, that offensive line play, I mean, it wasn't terrible and it was terrible at times, um, but it would be somewhere in that C plus C range you know it wasn't great but it did get the job done and there's other things that happened on the back end that could have alleviated some of the stuff that they had going on up front so I mean that also kind of falls in with the play calling stuff which I'm sure we'll talk about here later because that's a line that a lot of tech fans are at you know us wanting to be blaming Shuck or us wanting to blame Kitley who's getting more of this blame for our offensive woes in Laramie last night. And, you know, I, it's understood from both sides. I could see it on Kitley's side. I could see it on Shuck's side. I could see how our fan base could be divided in that sense. Um, but I think overall the offensive line held up. We're not going to probably see a, a defense like what um, Wyoming runs or that kind of I mean, we might now that after that we put that kind of tape out there, I can't really fully say that with confidence now, but, you know, I think they held up well and they, but the whole thing is that they haven't been, they haven't been playing together an actual meaningful game 
at all. Like this is like a revamp line. Yes, they've all played meaningful football plenty of times, but as a cohesive unit, you know, in the game action, they haven't. So I'll give them a C on what they did last night and hoping that they're just going to gel moving forward. But I'm not exactly sure how that's going to happen because I believe um, Wilburn was injured last night as well. Yeah, and I think that a lot of, like I said, I understand both of them. I understand both sides of the argument that that you're talking about. I think that this is another thing that really pissed me off. Um, And I think this is where a lot of Tech fans were uh, as well. The first, you know, 15 plays were fantastic. It was drawn up perfectly absolutely and i don't mean that facetiously at all that it was beautiful it was perfect it was executed to perfection the plays were perfect they were ran in the right scenarios they were ran on the right hashes they were ran you know in the middle of the field when it needed to be but it was after is after the after we had to settle for the field goal and and go up 17 instead of going up 21 i think everyone just thought we could take our foot off the gas not only that but you know at this point it's understandable to be like oh you know well we're up 17 it's still in the first quarter we probably don't want to you know show a full playbook so Oregon can get there. So Oregon can see that. Well, holy fuck, we forgot to win the fucking game before that happened. You know, like I don't really, I don't have any sympathy for it. I really don't. Macon and I had Macon and I caught a lot of flack last year, and um, I mean, we're probably gonna catch more flack this year. Macon and I had a a lot of problems with the play calling in certain times. Um, The thing for me and the thing that still rubbed me the wrong way last night was, was the tight ends. I mean, you have guys that other teams in this country would die to get their hands on not three of them, but just one of the three guys. I mean, the guy, the tight end that had the most usage last night was York. York was like fourth on the depth chart at tight end going into this game. So you had one catch from Mason Tharp. You didn't even target Baylor Cup. I don't even know if I even saw him on the field. Uh, I didn't see much of Henry Teeter at all. Uh, I saw, I think I might have seen him for three or four plays. I just, I'm, I'm furious at that. I was furious about it last year, and we all we heard in the off season was about how this team was going to get the ball to its playmakers more. That was that was a big focus this off season was getting the ball to the playmakers. Well, that didn't happen last night. Plain and simple, Joe, it didn't. No, we didn't have any explosive plays, you might say, right? I mean, we had the, what, the Miles Price touchdown was, what, 30 yards? I don't know what the guideline is for an explosive play or at least for it to be called one, but anything, what, north of 25-plus yards on a single play is considered an explosive play to an extent. Um, And I don't, I can't say how many of those we actually had. I would say it was less than five given you know the firepower our offense brings um that's kind of a low low number you know especially and also another thing that a lot of people aren't talking about i believe wyoming ran more plays than we did last night and they were on the bottom bottom half of fbs last year on running plays and we were the top dog in running plays so that kind of just goes to show you i mean how you know how this game went you know, that tempo that was preached, that tempo that was preached, hey, as soon as that ball sets, we're going. And at times it was. At, at times it totally was. But 
Um, a majority of the time it wasn't as well, but you know, that also goes to the coaching aspect of it. I don't know if you saw it during the broadcast, how coach bowl used some of those guys that were running off the field a little bit later and things like that. And they were using, I guess, some oh, yeah. To, yeah. To, to slow it down. To slow Absolutely. it down. And I feel that that, that was ran to perfection on their side of it. Oh, 100%. You know? They had and a great it, game plan. They had a great uh-huh. game plan. And once that happened, you, you get us, you get us off a little bit off of our, off of our line, so to speak. And it, it just, it starts slowly, slowly turning. You could start seeing it. I, I mean, I think the Jacob Rodriguez injury is going to be always the um, the time stamp on where things started going bad for Tech. That was a late fucking hit, by the that, way. That, that was a late that, fucking that, hit. That was the cheap shot. Um, if you haven't seen that replay, go back and look at it. I know a lot of people on the on on Twitter and things like that weren't necessarily talking about that. They were just talking about the injury. He did leave the stadium in a boot. He was on the sideline in a boot. Not exactly sure the extent of that injury, but I mean, obviously that's going to be pinpointed in a lot of people's eyes that once Jacob went down, our defense started playing differently. And then the tide started slowly turning into a favor for Wyoming. So it's, it's still, it's still baffling. Like you said about the, um, about usage of certain players and things like that. And you, whenever we um, interviewed Ryan, um, Ryan Thorburn from up, from up there who covers Wyoming, I mentioned to him about our tight ends being so big and I asked him what, what they had planned on as far as, you know, attacking that portion. And he's like, I didn't, he's like, y'all have tight ends that big. Uh, I was unaware of that, you know. Which, well, no shit. Cause we never fucking <laughs> use yeah, them. And, and exactly. It's easy not to have the game plan around people that are never utilized. You know, it's like having Shohei Otani on your baseball team and never batting him. Well, I mean, what do I know of what he's bringing to the table, you know? But you have these weapons here that are underutilized, and let's just call it for what it is. that They are underutilized. Look at the box score. Look at the – I mean, wasn't Cup like a five-star recruit out of high school, like top ten or something like that? Something he was like the – I think he was the number nine tight end in the country. Yeah, something stupid. And then – Tharp is Tharp, 6'9", 270. You can't build guys that big that are able to move like that. And for them not to be utilized in like a quick smoke route or something like that when they're bringing heat, it is baffling to me. Um, that falls in the line of Kitley's play calling. Um, speaking of that, what would you grade Kitley's play calling yesterday and do you think it's more him not wanting to show his hand for Oregon or more he just after the first after the first quarter he just couldn't get it right I would grade it an F I mean honestly uh, I thought like I said I thought the first 15 plays were an A plus uh, I think everything after that was was shit I mean I I I truly, and I think I said, I think I might have tweeted or I think I might have put it in the chat. Um, after Shuck threw that first pick, Kitley didn't trust him to throw it more than five yards down the field. And and it was apparent with every single play call, we saw a lot more bubble screens. We saw a lot more quick hitter, you know, two-yard routes. Um, he didn't trust him to throw it five yards down the field. And it's completely asinine. I will say, Shuck didn't look comfortable after the pick. Shuck didn't look comfortable until about, what was, I think that was the pick, about four minutes left in the first. Um, he didn't look comfortable at all. And um, I I don't know if it would have been right to take him out. I, I A lot of people were calling for it, and I get it. Uh, believe me, I get it. Uh, but... I don't know. I don't know if taking him out would have been preferential. 
you've 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 made this guy the starter. You didn't even wait until fall camp. I mean, you you made this guy the starter back in the spring. And uh I I think that at least giving him the opportunity to play through it was the right move of sorts. But Joe, that he wasn't set up for success to play through it is what I'm trying to say. Those those quick hitter ones, yeah, they get you completions and they get your confidence up or whatever. But if you don't allow him to throw the ball down the field at all, they can just they can just put everyone on the line and because they know that they don't trust him to throw it more than five yards down the field. So he, I don't think. I think it was a combo of both Kitley and Shuck being bad. They were both bad on the same night, which rarely happens, but it did. And I think that Shuck was given the opportunity to play through it, but at the same time, he was not given the opportunity. He wasn't giving given the necessary play calls to get him over that hump, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. I mean, think about it like in any, I guess, any college all the way up into the professional level. When a quarterback's struggling, there's two things that happen. One is they start making calls on easier throws, you know, slant something quick, not anything down the field. And then you run the ball. I mean, that's that's how you move the football. And then that's and you start having success. And one of those two makes the defense have to adjust. And given all the skilled players that we have, I mean, that's could be potentially a nightmare for a defense and you abandon one. What in, you, in your eyes, I mean, hell, if we're not going down the field, we're abandoning two different things. We're abandoning the run, which, you know, Taj Brooks was doing a pretty solid job on his carries. I think it was almost four yards to carry, which is a good number. I mean, for an average standpoint, but I mean, the plays weren't being called in in regard to what Wyoming was doing. I get not wanting to show your hand. I get not, you know, a part of that. I get the part where Shuck looked uncomfortable back there after the interception. If you see his footwork, it wasn't the greatest. I mean, it was kind of all over the place, and it seemed like he was going through his progressions way too fast for him to even wait for the open guy to come open because there were – a handful of plays that I did see and I'm sure everybody saw. I mean, we all watched the same game where he threw it to the wrong receiver. You know, he was just kind of, let me get it out of my hand. I didn't go through all my progressions. Let me just hit this guy first. Whenever there was a shorter route, an easier throw that probably yielded potentially more yardage just based on how, how much open field that guy had around him. And that, I believe that ultimately was part of the reason why we struggled so mightily in that, in those regards, um, bad play calling and then just bad execution on the quarterback's part. I'm not blaming Chuck. I'm not blaming Kitley. I love them both. And I think they're both great at what they do, but both of them had an off night last night. It's what happened. No. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, I think that, you got to talk about the fact that when you have a quarterback that's not necessarily comfortable, um, that you're trying to get him out these bubble screens to, you know, to get his confidence back up. I can't think of a better time to get the running game going. I truly can't. And there was no run game last night, there was none, zero. Tyler Shuck rushed the ball, ran the ball more times than Taj Brooks did, which is absurd. Combined, Taj Brooks and Cameron Valdez, how many times did they rush it? Nineteen, something like that. Am I am I correct in that? Uh, you're, seven, you're, seventeen, seventeen, seventeen. Okay, yeah. even better. So, um, you know, I don't. I can't think of a better time to get the running game going, dude. I really can't. And you have a really – Taj Brooks is a damn good running back. We've seen it. He's and good. I, 
and I don't just un- I just don't understand the thought process behind consistently throwing the ball to the sideline, which is what was happening, even from the far hash, which is what got him in trouble in the first place. That throw, he stared down whoever the receiver was that he was trying to throw to. It was probably Miles Price. And he was staring him down the whole time, never took his eyes off him. But he was throwing an out from the far hash to the opposite sideline. And that's what got him in trouble in the first place. But we continue to only call plays to the sideline no matter where we are. And so I think a lot of this... There were a lot, like I mentioned, the missed opportunities. I think one of the biggest missed opportunities of this game was the ability to get the opportunity was there to get the run game going, and it was just squandered. I think with so much emphasis going on our new revamped line, that should have been something that should have happened right out the gate. We're going to establish the run, and once we establish the run, now they are going to have to either put people in the box and be empty on the back end, and then that's whenever we go to work. You know, you hit them with those RPOs that Kitley loves. We have our talent for talent, our wide receiver group versus their secondary. You know, everything just kind of falls in 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 on our on our side. You know, and it it just wasn't done like that. And it's you know, I don't know. Like I said, there's a lot of question marks there as far as of the blame game kind of deal. I get it from everybody's perspective. I try to listen to everybody. I, I don't try to pick and choose a side um, on who to blame. You know, it's, it's one game at the end of the day. It's just one game. Everybody do not over overreact. I mean, yeah, you could overreact because it was, it was pitiful and that's what makes it hurt. Like if, if they, whatever, you know, and, I'm not going to say if they would have made like a 66 yard field goal to win the game, you know, that, you know, those kicks don't happen that often. You witness history, somebody just breaking a record and you beating, but you also don't want to be in that position to even be in, be that close in a game with a team like this. Um, it's just, it sucks. A lot of people had off nights. Um, we swang and miss at the first, we were, we were hyped. We were ready to rock and roll. Um, that lightning, that um, lightning delay that shortened the game or at least extended us waiting for them to take the field. Didn't seem like it had any big effects on this team. They finally got to hit somebody else that wasn't their teammates. You know, it looked really great and the first quarter and then it just kind of just, you know, tapered off as we all saw. So Going into that, we've been kind of harping there on the offensive side of the ball um, for about 29 minutes now. Um, let's jump into the defensive side. What did you see? What did you like? What did you dislike out of the defensive side who had the strongest game? I know it's all of them are pretty tough to call because not everybody in, on our defense had a great game either. So in your eyes, from what you saw, what what are we thinking? Is it easier to fix what on the defensive side of the ball from last night moving forward? Or is it easier for our offense to fix those woes moving forward? How do you see that playing out, Jack? I think uh, – and it's hard, right? Because I thought for the majority of this game, the defense played sufficient enough to get a win. It was – close the whole time we were we were up by 17 or you know up by 10 up by three and so it wasn't uh or up by seven i mean and so it wasn't like it was something that they just came back and scored you know stormed back and put up 28 points on the board in a quarter um this was I like like I said, I thought the defense played for four court for four quarters. Uh that was a defensive effort that wins the ball game ninety-five percent of the time. Um 
tell me another time where you give up 20 points, only 20 points and you, and you lose or go to overtime. I mean, it's not often. So people who, people who, uh, impressed me, Josiah Pierre, obviously, um, I thought Taylor Demerson played well. Um, I'm still pissed that he dropped that pick after friendly fire from Rayshad Williams. That was uh, another one. Um, also, I'm pissed about the other pick that was a pick and some idiot had his hands in the face. Um, and I saw it from, I saw it in real time before he even threw it. I said, up, oh, there's hands to the face. And sure enough, on the pick, and who knows what happens on that drive if we get to keep that ball. But Backbreaking. Back yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of, for me, the best photo of the night that describes the night perfectly. Uh, either the play where you had the pick and it gets knocked out because you got lit up by your own teammate or the play where you get the pick, but you had a penalty to bring it back. To be honest with you, Joe, also, uh, I might catch some flack from this. uh, And maybe it was because he was getting double teamed quite frequently. Uh, I I really wasn't that impressed with Steve Linton. I'll I'll say it right now. And um, I did notice that he got double teamed quite a lot of the night. And and that's fine. And that's fine. And, you know, if you're not, if you're going to get double teamed for a majority of the night, then I don't mind the stat sheet not popping off and you not making that big of an impact as long as your other guys are picking it up. And so when the other guys don't pick it up, that's where it starts to just look bad on Steve Linton. And I yeah. think that's what we're seeing here because I wasn't impressed with it because he wasn't in on a lot of stuff, mostly due to double teams. And at the same time, theoretically, you would think that if someone is getting double teamed, then there's another person somewhere that has no one on them. Right. So, I think that there's a – that's where I'm upset with the coaching on the defensive side is not being able to draw up something not only to get Steve Linton free, but if they're just going to keep double-teaming Steve Linton, that's fine. Can, how can you not draw something up to get to get someone else a free shot at the ball on almost every play? I The fact that that didn't happen was very – was very, very disappointing. Um, I think that was another thing where you saw your team get out-schemed, out-coached. They definitely outplayed us on the offensive side as opposed to our defense. And I think, and, you know, I want to give props to that, to Andrew Peasley. Uh, We notoriously, during our last pod, said that the guy couldn't complete 80 or 60% of his passes and uh, you know, that he was a terrible, that it was terrible, that he was bad. Uh, well, he didn't complete 60% of his passes. He was only one pass above 50%. Um, but that kid took about five or six shots to the head and still kept getting up and coming back. Um that kid is a baller, and that's the type of kid that you want on your team. He is tough as nails, and um, I think we were probably quick to dismiss him due, just due to his stats. And again, I don't think his stats against us were that impressive. I think his ability to extend plays was impressive. I think just the little, the little rushes for three or four yards here and there when there we should have had him sacked in the backfield was impressive. Um, 
But uh, Andrew Peasley is a baller, and may, maybe not in the sense that everyone thinks, but that kid is tough as nails. And um, yeah, he didn't you know, look he didn't look right. No, know, going 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 into half, I was like, man, they need to check this dude for a concussion. Absolutely, you know, I was thinking that I was just getting two two uh, memories, like you know, oh, this, yeah. this dude is stumbling around here get him off the field, you know, you're going to put this dude's life in jeopardy at some point if he takes another shot like that. And But he kept on getting up and, you know, all due credit to him for getting up after each time that he was getting knocked down. But, man, he looked like, I mean, he was hurting pretty bad there for a while. So I just, it's just weird, not weird, I guess, you know, you don't give a, a lot of, Let's just call it for how we were calling it, right? We didn't give him a lot of credit because, you know, he didn't have the stats to back it up. We weren't giving some of these running backs credit because, you know, one guy just barely came in late as a transfer in the summer. Their original number one towards ACL and then their number two was um, coming off of an ACL injury. So you're like, you know, they don't have the depth to hold up with them just continually running and running the ball. And well, we thought, they, yeah, we thought, dude, they're, they're trotting out their six string guy at one point, man. Yeah. And they were, and he was getting yards. Yeah. I, I mean, talk, it I just talk, absolutely crazy. I talked to Ryan on Twitter while this was happening. And I was like, Hey man, you didn't even touch on this guy. And he was like, Oh yeah. Up until a couple of weeks ago, he was a linebacker. Of course, of course, man. Naturally, yeah. Naturally, of course. Sam Sam Scott, which is uh, ran number twenty-two, seven yards for forty-four. That one long touchdown run of like twenty-two plus yards. I don't know exactly how long it was, but I mean, seven for forty-four. He was averaging almost six and a half yards per carry every time he touched it. Um, and he, the converted linebacker into running back, kind of, like I said, <laughs> absolutely absurd, absolutely absurd. That's just, that's just like, that's just the bow on the, on the present there. You know, that's the bow. That's the icing on the cake, man. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, okay. Like, so it doesn't really matter who we plug in back there with this offensive line. We're going to run the ball. And the crappy thing about all of this, Jack, is that they're, I really hope this doesn't happen, but watch their wheels fall off next week when they play somebody. And then it makes this feel even worse to us if we don't do anything against Oregon. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, no, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it it just feels like, and I think that was the thing with a, a lot of us as a fan base, right? Like we, we bought into this, you know, we bought into this vision and the hype and we drank the Kool-Aid and, you know, we had the brand, you know, you watch the brand, you, and, you know, we have the 60 minutes of us and all this stuff. And it just felt like it was all bullshit. Like, to be honest, I mean, how could you feel anything else other than that after that game? I mean, that we were just, we were just had smoke blown up our ass for the entire offseason so people would donate more money and we could they could sell more season tickets i mean the fact that you sold out season tickets in the type of economy we're in right now is is it's impressive um but you have people that you know might be buying season tickets to this maybe in the upper deck of one of the bleachered sections that granted it might be 300 bucks, but at the same time, they probably could be spending that 300 bucks on an electric bill. And so when you have, when you choose to make these types of donations or purchases, and that's the type of product you get in return. I don't think anyone in this fan base has any sort of moral high ground calling people bad fans for being critical of the product that was on the field last night. Right. And, and that's where, that's where I get pissed when people start telling you how to be a fan, be right. your fan the way you want a fan. If you want to sit there and pump sunshine and rainbows and unicorns all day, you know what? That's cool. That's the way you're going to be a fan. Then that's fine. If you want to sit there and tell me that the sky is falling and that we need to fire everyone, I'll listen. 
I may not agree with it. I certainly don't agree with all full sunshine and rainbows all the time, but well, I'll I'll listen to it. Right. But who doesn't ha- who yeah. doesn't have adversity? Like yeah, really, exactly. But-, but at the same time, um, I don't know how you can't feel. And the way the word I used was betrayed. I, I just felt betrayed, and um, it may sound dumb. And probably listening to this afterwards, it'll sound really dumb saying that I felt betrayed. But that's this that's just the best descriptor it's, I can it, find for it's, it. It's it's it was um this sold the dream right you know right. just just like um the, the my best analogy for it is buying a timeshare right you're buying this piece of property this other country and it's like in your eyes, all you see is dollar bills flowing in on your side. Then you get there and it's, it's trash. It's on a bad part of the town. The beach is taken care of horribly. The, the place is taken care of horribly. And it's just like, really, this is what I, I just spent all this money on. I essentially bought a picture, right? You know, we bought a picture. We didn't see anything else about it. We just said, Oh, this picture looks nice and shiny. I'm all in, you know, right. And that, and I, and I get it. And I, I totally get your point where you fan how you want to fan. There's people that have donated tons and tons to this university and have nothing but great things to say about it and keep doing what you're doing. I applaud you for being able to do that, but there is also the little guys out there who do support this team with what they can and what they have. And sometimes making donations and or this, that, or the other, just because they know it's the right thing to do, but it could potentially be putting them in a very tight financial position for whatever said reason. I don't know everybody's life. Um, And I could see how you would think that, man, like I bought all of this and then this is what was shown to me. And yeah, betrayal is a good word. I mean, I could understand people getting flack for it or whatnot like that. It's not like Joey McGuire was out there preaching. We're going 12 and 0 and we're going to be playing in the national championship game. Like I didn't buy into any of that. I just had a feeling that we had more than enough pieces to win the big 12. And guess what, Jack? We still we do. Still can, we, still I was say, we still do. Exactly. The, the team that won the big 12 last year lost a home game to a G5 opponent. Yeah. So true. they lost to Tulane. Granted, Tulane was a it lot was better than everyone thought. Better. Than exactly. everyone thought, but still, you know, it's it's not done. Um, yeah, it happens, and it, it happens in Wyoming a lot too. Apparently, yeah, it's, we're not the only one. You know? So, and and that's fine. Um, and and I think my I think my thing about it, uh, if if you don't do anything different next week and we'll talk, like you mentioned, we'll talk about the Oregon preview and everything and uh, during the week, but I fail to see how you come back from a beat down of epic proportions because that's what's going to happen if you trot that same effort on the field against Oregon at home. You're going to have fans booing you. And let's let's call it for how it is. You're going to have fans booing you in your own stadium. You're going to have fans leaving at half. It's going to be an empty stadium after halftime. And I can't say I would blame it. Blame any of them. I'll be I'll be there. You'll be there. We have our we have our first uh our first pregame podcast, uh game day podcast coming out next week. So you know, I go I can't say I'd blame them if if they did, if they trot out that same effort. Now, do I think that happens? Absolutely not. I think that there's a lot of soul searching going on. I think that there's a lot of film already probably being watched today right and so um i don't think that happens again 
I but, don't think so. I don't think so either. But it shouldn't have happened in the first place. Or at least not with this many question marks, right? Yeah. You know, it's I just, don't I just think that's I think that's the thing. I don't right. think it happens again, but it shouldn't have happened in the first place. Right. And just to kind of just go back, I'm looking at the stats here, right? So as far as our receiving core, right? So you would think in the two deep, all the names that came out in our original depth chart that you would actually see some kind of targeted to or something like this. It's I see like some of the starters out there, your Jared Bradley, your Miles Price, you know, your Dre McCray. And then after that, you have a Loic Funchy on there. You have Jordan York, Coy Eakin. I didn't even see him touch the field, to be completely honest. And there was apparently he was targeted one time. Yeah, I didn't but, see that. But like the other guys that I was talking about that were what we were told, but, you know, would be huge, huge contributors, you know. Brady kind Boyd. Of Brady Boyd, Nehemiah Martinez, which I know he's been kind of dealing with some kind of um, surgery that he had on his face or something like that or to a cheekbone or something. So I didn't know actually his availability. Um, but those two guys for sure – your tight ends, you know, obviously we I know didn't, what the, I really didn't see Baylor Cup a whole lot. I saw I, him on the field a handful of times whenever I, I, they went I, into their big personnel and Yeah, but that was the only time. I like I didn't see him any other times. I, I saw Mason Tharp a few times and like I said, I saw Jaden York a couple times. Obviously Jaden York had a touchdown, but yeah. um uh, I didn't really I didn't really see a whole lot other than that. And I mean, what did we say? Three tight end receptions total. Um, two from two, two from York and one from Tharp. Yep. I mean, that's not enough. Well, actually, yeah, two from York, one from Tharp, and that's it. So, I guess tight end room. They did three for thirty-two yards and a touchdown. That's what they produced. Hmm. So, um. We're getting closer to around 50 minutes. I'm just going to touch on two other things, I guess, you know, for this for this sober up Sunday conversation that we're having about what took place in Laramie last night. Um, kicking in Gino Garcia. Oh, uh, God. This is a tough, and tough and... <laughs> Tough subject for a lot of people for multiple reasons. You know, our kicking game has been probably as solid as it's been the last two years from the for last a long two, time for a know? long time. It's been the solid, most solid it's been in a long time for the last two years. And we come in Gino Garcia, first kick, first Nailed field it. goal, 54 yards comes back in. And this, this is kind of where I, I would, I don't really count this or this missed field goal is an asterisk beside it because that's the one with the time clock and the home cooking kind of deal, setting the ball because the first initial field goal he had put up, he nailed, which was that 49 yarder. And then they stopped the clock. They readjusted the time, ran it back again, and then he pushed it. So that's kind of, I think that's home cooking. If that was in Lubbock, I don't think he misses it because our our clock management would have had it right the first go around. Yeah. Also, had... we were down with three seconds left. Right. So, and they put once. I mean, they. Yeah, it was just a lot. I I hate. I don't like to blame shit on people like that. Um, I don't either because I think he's a good player and he's got a hell of a leg. I mean, obviously yeah. with thinner air up in laramie it kind of seemed like it was selling a whole lot further because it was and things like that may change whenever you come back down to texas in our part of the world you know when we're playing football down here but i think he i think we will be okay there like i said that blocked field goal there's two reasons for that obviously the kick the trajectory was pretty low i think that that may have been blocked whether our offensive lineman was getting pushed back as far as he got pushed back because, I mean, he got lit up that I believe it was a guard position. He was already in the backfield, essentially, whenever that ball came off of Garcia's foot. Um, the 50-yarder just couldn't pull it in enough. It hit the upright and fell short. 
he had plenty of leg there. We all know that. And then the kick to send it into overtime there late, that 27-yard chip shot, um, he, you know, he nailed it. So, I mean, I know there's a, a lot of question. That was another big question mark going into the season. How were we going to replace Trey Wolf? Gino Garcia obviously won the job and he has first crack at it. I believe he'll still continue to have the have the position as long as as long as he's putting it up to where it needs to be. I mean, as long as he's getting it towards the field goal, whatever the case may be. I mean, I don't know how big um, Burkhart's foot is without a tee, but he he was kicking those those balls out of the end zone. But once again, that could be playing into where we were playing at last night. Um, so we'll kind of see and we'll monitor that, I guess. But I think Gino Garcia is okay and he has a great foot. We all seen the good side of it and the bad side of it last night. So we'll see what Tech does moving forward there. Do you think we are going to make any changes there if it is against Oregon? Or do you think that that's something that could be long played out before we make a change to Burkhardt, I believe, is a backup? I think that it probably stays the way it is um, for now. I wouldn't hate to see some sort of competition maybe once the conference play started, but I think at least as long as non-conference is going on, I think it stays the way it is. Um, I just say I, I don't. I, I don't really anticipate a change unless we start seeing unless we start seeing some some like really bad misses uh, possibly against Oregon in a game that matters. I don't think you I don't think you make any changes after a Tarleton game just because that game is right. You the way hope, it is. You but, yeah, hope, you would hope we're not you know trying for five field goals against the Tarleton, you know what I'm saying? Like you could see it against an Oregon, their stout defense, their top 15 team, this and the other. Okay. If we're forced to, you know, kick field goals, you know, so be it. But I mean, against the Tarleton state and or a Wyoming, you wish you didn't see them out there five different times kicking or go attempting field goals. But you know, that's just how the ball rolls sometimes. So I, I think he'll be all right moving forward. I, you know, like I said, he had some pretty big shoes to fill um, in general over the last couple of years. He has the foot to do it. Um, it's just, you know, just like a lot of people, you know, you uh, or players in general. I mean, you get inside your own head. Now you start thinking of your steps, your follow through this that, and the other. And I mean, he's a fairly young kicker. He hasn't. This is his first starting job here. I get it. Um but I hope, you know, I hope he's able to correct those mistakes, you know, like the trajectory issue that he had um, on that one kick and then, you know, just follow through on the others. All he had to do is pull that one a little bit more to the left. And it looked like if if that kick was probably another two yards back, like if it was a um, – because I think the kick was 50 yards. I think if it was a 52 to 53-yard field goal, it hooks in enough to catch on the inside there. But since it was a shorter field goal um, as it was coming in is whenever it hit that, the the upright there. So I think he could have put, I mean, he could have made every single kick except for the one that was blocked because of the tra- trajectory. He has a foot forward. So I guess we'll just see moving forward, but I mean, I really don't want that to be um, an issue where it's like, Oh, it's, we have a a big kick that we need to make and, you know, we're too afraid to trot out our kicker, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. So that kind of touches on everything as far as offensive, defensive side of the ball, special teams, coaching staff. It's a lot to take in. Obviously, it's still very fresh. It's been 24 hours since this has taken place. And, you know, it's game week. We have to prepare for the Oregon Ducks that are coming into town, our first home game, and, you know, being there to support this team. So, given all of everything that we've said, this is what I'm going to say moving forward, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Jack, and you kind of give your two cents on the same kind of thing. What happened last night is over now. 
It's over. We can't go back in time. We can't change anything. We can't go back and say, why this, why that, why this, why that? It's pointless, and it's just going to piss you off because you know that this team is way better than what they showed. And I'm sure the coaching staff knows that. I'm sure the players know that. I'm sure everybody's in their ear, just like they're hearing it from everywhere. And at this point in time right now is what they need is they need our support. Yes, it sucks what happened. It sucks. But they need to know that we're still behind them. We'll be critical where we need to be critical. I'm never going to talk shit personally about somebody's game or anything like that because they're playing the game and I'm just sitting down on my couch and watching it from afar and just saying what I believe is kind of going on from the standpoint of if I were in their shoes, so to speak. But all they need right now is our support. That's all they need. After a tough loss, after a tough deal, it's just like, it's just like going on a road trip and you're away from your family and this road trip is for work and it's draining the hell out of you and you can't wait to get home. And whenever you get home, you don't want to be shit on by the people you miss the most. And that is our fan base. So whenever you get home from your trip, you go home and the first person you see is wife, girlfriend, kids or whatever. You just want to feel that warm embrace coming back home, a safe place, a, a place where you find comfort and peace, a place where you you could just, you know, be okay. I'm saying just support our guys, support this coaching staff, support this university, whether you whether you want to say this, that, or the other about our coaching staff, players, whatever, whatever beef you may have or whatever you're upset about with this Wyoming game, just drop it. It's over and done with. We're not getting that win back or we're not getting anything back from that other than bulletin board material and looking ourselves in the mirror saying that we're, we, we need help. We need help. We need to make changes. What can I do to make this team better? As long as Tech does that, I'm going to fully support them throughout the year. I mean, that's just how I am. I'm not going to just dis discredit everything that they've built and what McGuire's built, what the coaching staff has built for the last two years. I still do believe we're building something special here, and I do believe that we will be a force to be reckoned with. But you know what? There's still some time. McGuire, I think, has only coached 14 games here at Tech. Cut the man some slack to an extent. I mean, he owned it in his press conference. He said, I got out coached. Plain and simple. It's on him. He took ownership. He apologized. He didn't point fingers. He took it all. Back your team. Back this coaching staff. And let's show these guys what they mean to us whenever Oregon kicks off on September 9th here. Support your team. It's over and done with with Wyoming. Let's just move forward. Jack, what do you have left to say, sir? No, I agree with a lot of that. Um, again, I, I'll just reiterate what I said earlier. Fan how you're going to fan. Um, no one here has any moral high ground to tell you how to fan. If you want to be the full sunshine, rainbows, unicorns fan, that's that's fine. That's cool. Um, if you want to be the doom and gloom fan, uh, that's fine, too. Um no one in this fan base has a moral high ground to tell you how to be a fan. And that includes us. So fan, how you want to fan, you know, no one, no one is here to tell you, uh, no one is here to tell you that the way you support Texas tech is right or wrong. And I'll just leave it at that. I mean, do what you want to do. And uh, that's what I got. Sounds good. So we will cut this one out here now um, for our first Sober Up Sunday. Um, we will be back maybe with more of our crew next Sunday to potentially be talking about Sobering Up Sunday after a huge win versus the Oregon Ducks when they come to Jones AT&T Stadium. It is Labor Day tomorrow. Everybody, you know, take care. Enjoy that day off if you have it off. We will be hitting you with some more content moving into game week. 
mailbags, talking about our opponent moving forward, keys to the game, what we need to make changes offensively, defensively, special teams wise, you know, in order to even be in the conversation to be um, keys to the game, so to speak, on what we do for winning the game on Saturday against Oregon. Um, it's it's going to be a long week, um, a shorter week because we're off tomorrow, where I would say at least a majority of us are off tomorrow. So let's take it in stride. It's a short week. Get into Saturday, show our guys support, and we'll be there for them. So, we'll, like I said, we'll have plenty of content coming out soon. More guys jumping on. We'll be having, you know, me and Jack are doing this thing at, on Saturdays at the tailgate. Well, we'll be interacting with our fans. We'll be doing a live stream podcast, just walking through different tailgates. We'd love to meet a lot of you guys out there. Just talk to you guys, you know, interview you guys, because this is, this is fans first. This is what we do. We're based because of, you know, just the common fan, you know, somebody that's just us. We want to know what your thoughts are about this team. We want to know what you're thinking and how you feel about certain aspects of the game. So we're just going to go around and talk to you guys. If you'd like to have us, just let us know. Send us a tweet. Um, I believe we're kicking this thing off in the um, engineering key somewhere right around there. And then we're going to try and work our, our way around to different tailgates and things like that. So just be on the lookout. We'll start talking about that more as the game gets closer and closer. Um, but until then, everybody, keep them damn guns up. The season's not over. The season's not lost. We have tech football coming home. Let's, let's welcome them home. So until, until next Saturday and then during the week, whatever you're doing, please follow up, catch up with us all, and we'll be talking soon. Wreck them, everybody.